Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden. My guest today is Michaela Morris. Welcome, Michaela. Thank you, and I'm so happy to be on the show with you. That won't last. Right, <laughs> let's get into it. The first question, how did you get into wine? Uh, uh, you want the short answer or the long answer? I, I was studying linguistics in at university, and I did an exchange program in France, and I had to write a paper on anything to do with French culture or civilization, and I chose the wine region of Burgundy to write on. Why, though? Was that a random choice? I was sort of into it. You know, I liked wine. I was working in restaurants, so I had started tasting wine and, and enjoyed it, but I really didn't know that much. And I guess I knew the slightest thing about Burgundy, that it was quite a difficult or complex region to get your head around. And there was this word terroir that I'd never heard before, and I wanted to discover what that was. So that was what my thesis was on, was on the terroir et tradition of uh, Burgundy. Brilliant. So how, how old were you at that stage? Um, I don't want to get too personal. No, but I mean, like, were you 18? Were you 25? Were you that, 66? That, that was in 1988. So so now I'm going to reveal my age. So that was... You uh, were yeah. young and... and, and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd already had done some traveling. So I was in my early 20s. And um, I the first day that I got there, I met a man who had a, a website for the wine region of Burgundy. And he asked me to translate for him on the spot for this website. And this is 98. So at the time in France, uh, the internet was not a big thing, but he was pretty forward thinking. So I ended up translating for him on the spot that day, the first day I get to Burgundy. What written translation or or voice translation? Yeah, written translation. And I ended up translating for him for three years for his website. So that um, was an incredible stroke of luck. Yeah. And he was also married to uh, the daughter, I think it was a Rosignol Trappé in uh, Gervais Chambertin. It happened to be the Grand Jour de Bourgogne. So he got me into all of these tastings. And I was at Clos Vougeot at a tasting. And at some point, I was, I was freaking out about a wine I just it was incredible and he asked me what I was going to do with my linguistics degree which is what I was studying and I said I, I don't know I'm studying it because I'm I'm enjoying it and he said well why don't you look think about a career in wine and I didn't even realize that there was there were careers in wine and it was a light bulb it honestly was the, the light bulb went off for me and I've never looked back so how did you get into Italian wine uh, I hate I didn't well, I can say I hated Italian wine yeah, well that's the end of the show <laughs> nice to have you Michael. Um, I didn't get Italian wine so my background was French wine and it was it's like your your mom's cooking that was you know where I fell in love with wine and what I understood and what I knew and I was doing a lot of work with Italian I was part of me with French wine so getting into Italian wine I didn't really yeah I, I didn't really understand it I didn't really know much about it and um, I was studying my WSET can't remember what level now probably level three and I remember having a Barolo and I'd heard all about Nebbiolo and how amazing these wines were and I just I tried the wine and I just didn't get it it was like I'd hit a brick wall but I knew that there was something there that I wasn't getting so I was curious and I I kept tasting Italian wine and eventually I got hired by an importing company that specialized in Italian wine and the reason they hired me was to source French wine for them because I had been doing that at a private wine store just an importer in Canada yeah yeah and so they had a great Italian portfolio and I just started learning about Italian wine and then finally uh, I had started for them I guess started working for them in 2004 and in March of 2004 and then in October of that year I went to Piemonte and first time yeah 
I, I remember opening my door when we got to, it was in uh, Castiglione uh, Faletto, and I opened the door uh, from the car, and it was foggy, and you couldn't see anything. It was everything that I had imagined Piemonte to be. It was harvest, so I could smell the fermenting grapes. I, I swore that I could smell truffles, um, as well as the Ferrer Rocher factory. And I just, I, the, the aromas were so amazing. And then tasting wines after that in the region, and sort of smelling the region in the wines, and it, it, all of a sudden, it made sense to me, and I fell in love with Italian wine and have not looked back from that either. So what are you doing now in Italian wine or with Italian mm. wine? I'm doing a lot of education. I've done, I've been teaching for a long time. So who are, you, who are your students then? Who are my students? So I, I've taught the Wine and Spirit Education Trust for a long time now. Most of the classes that I teach are the diploma level. Sometimes I sub for levels two and three where we have perhaps more, less people working in the wine industry. Um, but generally the people that I'm teaching do work in the wine industry. And recently I launched in Vancouver. Hoover, um, the Maestro program for Vanilli International Academy. This was again mostly to uh, to professionals, so to, so to sommeliers, people working in in wine stores, and the enthusiasm for Italian wine is incredible. What is a typical question when people get stuck with Italian wine? Are they get they get confused with the denominations, the uh, DOCGs, or is it the grape varieties or the terroir, or what, what do they get most stuck on? And how do you unpick the stickiness? <laughs> wow, how long do we have? Uh, Fifteen uh, seconds. <laughs> I think there's always confusion around you know is this a grape is this a region where is it how do I pronounce this I don't even want to say this word because I don't I can't pronounce it and I'm you know talking from the perspective of the students but in general I think the question is tell me about this tell me about where it's made why they make it like this why does it smell and taste like this what do they eat with it I, I think in general and I'm talking about the Canadian sommelier or the Canadian professional uh, there's a pretty high level of education there and there's a lot of curiosity and especially I would say in Vancouver it's a very dynamic market and a very young market for wine professionals overall there's just this insatiable curiosity and they just people just they want to learn and and one question feeds into another okay and I think the most important thing is that they're tasting the wines along with whatever the discussion is um, because sometimes the the flavors and the structure of the wine is something that they're not used to but they're very open minded and and want to understand it. Okay. When you talk about the sort of structure, you're saying that Italian wine can be quite difficult sometimes, like Brunello and Brunello Barolo, these, these quite sort of tannic wines. I'm is not that, saying that. Is that the degree <laughs> of difficulty? Is that what, what they feel? They I want think, softer wines in that market? No, I don't think that they want softer wines, and especially, I would say, the professionals. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that they, they, they want softer wines. I think maybe we were used to a lot more Californian wines. That's the, the biggest selling imported wine in, in British Columbia is Californian wine, but Italy is second. I think that some people think the North American palate is very sweet, and I do think there's a lot of people who, you know, I would say maybe the average consumer who likes wines that are a little bit softer. But again, I'm teaching to professionals and people who are working in restaurants, and they see how these wines go with food. So I don't think that it's difficult for them to get their head around the um, the structure, the tannin, and the acidity. And the other thing too is that I always have food in uh, in those classes, and I think that really really helps. Well, I mean, you actually bring food. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. What stuff so, you've baked yourself at home. This <laughs> sounds so folksy. It's great. Well, I used to, uh, to avoid studying, I used to bake. Um, oh, I don't believe it. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have a lot Apple, of time to do that anymore. Apple, apple pie? Or? Uh, sure, sure, sure. Apple pie, cakes, muffins, <laughs> let's not get soup. A, let's, not, let's not get into muffins. Okay. okay. But no, I the place that I teach from is actually attached to a cheese store. And so they have cheese and charcuterie and they make some of their own things as well. So I try to find something that comes from the same region as the region I'm teaching about. Okay. Yeah. Did you cycle around Italy when you were younger? I did, yes. Um, the you first that's a little, just a little detail <laughs> that you haven't so far shared with us. <laughs> the first time I came to Europe, I, brought, I came with my bicycle and I ended up cycling around uh, Europe for three years. And I spent a, a, a few months in Italy on my bicycle, not really realizing how hilly it was. And in fact, I was in, I had been in Corsica and I had been in Italy and then I'd gone to Corsica and I came back to Italy and I'd met this couple from the States who were also cycling around the world on, on their bike and I say that with uh, inverted commas. Thank you. And uh, I said, well, well, we'll cycle through the hills, uh, the hill towns of Tuscany and Umbria. And they're like, that sounds great. And then we were cycling through the hills of Tuscany and Umbria and they wanted to kill me. And they actually ended up leaving me because they were looking for I mean, a slightly easier um, cycling territory. But yeah, uh, anyway, I, I loved it. And, and I think it was a great way to discover the, the country for the first time coming did, here. Did you speak any Italian then or not? No, I spoke French. What I've always said about the Italians is they want to be understood and they want to communicate and they're also very generous and very patient. So I didn't ever have a problem communicating, even if I didn't speak Italian. What do you see as the next trends in Italian wine in your particular market in Canada, British Columbia? Oh, well, I think, and again, I'm talking sort of about professionals and, and engaged consumers. There is a trend towards uh, lighter reds. And I think that Italy offers some really amazing, interesting, cool reds that are a little bit lighter, like Pella Verga or Frappato or whatever that may be. And I think that uh, because there is a push as well from the sommeliers, a lot of the importers are starting to, to bring in small amounts uh, of these wines. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be mainstream, but as a, as a it's a growing trend within the uh, the professional wine community, for where, sure. Where can Italy or Italian producers or Italian trade bodies or consorts the group of producers, so the Chianti Classica Consorta, how can they up their game abroad to make their wines more understandable or more easy to buy or easy mm. to easy to easy to get? It's not meant to be a political question because it is, I know it is very, but it's not trying to catch you out. But what, yeah. what, what simple things could they be doing to make your life easier or the lives easier of people like you who mm -hmm. are engaged in education? I think working together and a, a great example of this would be Verdicchio, for example. I don't understand why we don't have. 10 Verdicchio listed in our market. And I, when I say listed at the government uh, wine stores, I think it's a great grape variety. Well, first of all, I think it's a great grape variety from Italy in terms of its complexity, ageability, the range of, of styles that you can get. Um, but I also think it goes so well with our cuisine and, and our lifestyle. Uh, the problem is people don't know it. And the, the best way for people to get interested in it and to start to understand it anyway would be if the producers work together and came together on 
mass or if there were 10 producers or 15 producers and came and did classes for for the sommeliers because that's where these wines start right. in the restaurants that the sommelier is pouring them for the consumers and so i think working together and trying to promote a region or a great variety together is huge but i mean the power of the somme is still sort of all-encompassing in the north american market is that what you're saying i think it's very important for sure for, for, um, i mean for sort of wines that are not sort of everyday supermarket yeah, wines should we say absolutely and because i think i mean we where the market that i'm in in british columbia every every province in canada is different in our market we have government stores and private store private wine stores in the government stores we have product consultants and some are good at their job um, but we have there's not a lot of them um, and then we have the private wine stores that are a little bit more niche and boutique and that's where very engaged customers go so when you're looking more for approaching all sorts of wine drinkers the restaurants really are the place where people are going to learn about about wine and and because we have this young dynamic industry of 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 sommeliers that want to pour great and interesting wines they're yeah this is this is where people are learning about wines and this is where i think the slightly different than the beyond pinot grigio beyond prosecco this is where people are going to taste those wines so for you you're italian wine specialist and you live an awful long way from italy <laughs> when are you going to move to italy and where are you going to move to and that is definitely the leading question uh, okay and you're not allowed out of the studio until you answer <laughs> okay in full so um, i'll answer the second part first that's so, very clever because you think I'm going to forget the first part, yeah, but I'm exactly. not going to forget the first um, So I, I, I love Bologna as a, as a city. I don't know it as well as some of the other cities in, in Italy, but I was charmed by it. And it's very central. So from a practical standpoint, just getting around by train or plane, it's accessible and, and um, not quite as far out as somewhere like Turin or something like this. And it's pretty flat if you've still got that bicycle. <laughs> I like hills. And I love Lambrusco, so... <laughs> You know, if I'm in Emilia Romagna and the food there is so amazing, I could say that for anywhere in Italy. But uh, so I sometimes think about buying a little place there because I do come to Italy frequently. I'm here at least three months out of the year, if not more. And I'm happy to be here even more than that. I still like to have one foot in Canada. I love I love my market. I, when I say my market, we you know where I'm from, but I also love the industry in, in Canada. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be there to help with Italian wine education. It's really important for me. I would go back and forth between the two countries, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give up my Canadian citizenship or my Canadian passport anytime soon. But sometimes I think about buying a place here for sure. Well, if you do come and you do move here, I'm sure you'll be made very welcome by the uh, Italians. You do a great job um, promoting and communicating about it. I've got a huge respect for what you do. Thank you so much, uh, Monty. Really, you put an enormous amount of effort into what you do, and you're a brilliant communicator and educator. Thank you very much. Thank Michaela you so much. Morris. Thank you. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.